We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks oh. Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I will not be joined today by the one and only Michael J. Focci, but we're going to get ourselves an opportunity to meet the new indie star beat writer for the Indiana Pacers, James Boyd. James just started the job on Monday, and I'm excited to introduce you guys to him. He's a fantastic listener. If you're not already, follow him on Twitter. He gives out his handle at the end of the episode, so stay until then to hear where you guys can find him at if you're not already. But James Boyd is going to do a great job covering this Pacers team and his new gig as the Indy Star beat writer. Foch will be back with me later this week as we recap the Nuggets and the Jazz games that are going to be back-to-back on Wednesday, Thursday. So stay tuned for that. But real quick, everybody, wanted to let you know that if you didn't hear it last episode and you're listening to this one, you're a new listener, if you give us a five-star rating and review, We want to reach 175 ratings and reviews overall, so we have some really cool prizes that we're going to be giving away once we reach 175 total ratings and reviews. So there's an opportunity for you guys to win a Setting the Pace hoodie, a Jermaine O'Neal autographed basketball card, or one of the brand new City Edition jerseys. So really three opportunities there for you guys to win something from us. So we're not just going to give all those away to one person, but We'll be giving away three separate gifts, so we're going to pick three winners. The first name drawn will get their choice, and we'll go down the list until we're out of prizes. But really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys enjoy today's show. And before we get to that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. So we'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he is the new beat writer for the Indy Star covering your Indiana Pacers. It's the one and only James Boyd making his debut on Setting the Pace. James, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. Excited to finally be riding on the beat. You know, for a couple of weeks there, people knew that I had taken over the position. And now it's it's, it's fun to finally be in it and in a little bit of a groove. And obviously, lots to learn, lots to adjust to, but excited to just be writing words again, man. So let's talk a little bit. You know, you you just took you took the job not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. You made the announcement on Twitter. But when was your actual first day of covering the team? My actual first day of covering the team was today, November 9th. Wow. You know, because they didn't have any availability when I started on Monday the 8th. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is my first day covering the team. Got a chance to talk to Rick Carlisle, Tory Craig, Jeremy Lamb. Um, so those three will probably be forever etched in my memory as I go through these interviews. And, you know, the hopefully and this goes well. There will be thousands of more. But I'll remember this one for sure because this is my first one. So <laughs> finally in the groove. That's awesome, man. And so I think it'd just be good for the fans here listening to the show to get to know you a little bit, your background, maybe your basketball background, your, your writing background. So you put out a really great article in the Indy Star talking about how you got to this point, and I'll let you kind of share that. I don't want to steal too much of your story so people can go check that out, but maybe just give us a little bit of a, a rundown of how you got to this point. Yeah, so um, I didn't even start writing about sports until I believe the end of my sophomore year of college. Wow. I was one of those people who grew up um, with parents reading the newspaper. I don't think my parents ever read the newspaper outside of like trying to look for coupons or something here or there. Um, and I took a journalism class uh, and I kept bugging my teacher, Jennifer Follis, who also changed my life. Um, more on that later. More on that shortly. But she uh, told me I, I was kind of annoying her. And she said, you know what? You have so many questions. I love it. But go right for the student newspaper. Like if You're asked so many questions. You can get all these answers. You can try all these things at the student newspaper, the Daily Illini at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. So I got my start there. Um, men's gymnastics was my first beat ever in life. Um, so for those of you out there who think this kind of happened overnight, it did not. It was not very glamorous, you know. <laughs> a bunch of men who are uh, super fit, a lot stronger than you, and <laughs> in a sport you don't know. But um, that was the beginning, man. I worked my way up with the student newspaper. Eventually got an internship with the Associated Press, which is super intense. Worried about that. Um, my first column for Indy Star, and just about how I wanted to quit because it was so hard. I remember my first couple of articles in the editor I had. Um, his name's uh, Andy Siegelman. He actually reached out to me uh, after I put out the story. It wasn't like a bad thing. Um, only reason I didn't put his name in there is I didn't want him to think I was like bashing the guy. Like, no, he was he was fine. Um, he was super tough. He's still doing the AP thing. But I think making the jump from my student newspaper to the AP was just. I mean, the Associated Press is one of the biggest news outlets in the world. So it was really, really, mm -hmm. I struggled. It was really, really bad to start off. And then Shannon Ryan, who now works for The Athletic, she worked for the Chicago Tribune at the time. She pulled me aside and told me that, uh, you know, I wasn't an idiot. I wasn't dumb and I wasn't, you know, not, I, you know, I wasn't incapable of doing this, what I'm doing right now. So she gave me that, uh, that, that confidence boost to just grind it out and stick with it, man. And that's what I've done. Um, first job out of college was at the Times Northwest Indiana up there in the region. Um, the region will have my heart forever, honestly. Uh, that, that place changed my life as well. And um, from there, got hired to, got promoted rather, to go back to my school and, and cover Illinois athletics. And then, I'm sorry, I dropped, dropped my phone. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, ended up coming back. Oh no, ended up uh, leaving after five months to come here for the Indy Star. So, um, been a whirlwind. This all happened within the last. I've been writing professionally now for a little over three years. I got hired in September 2018 at the Northwest Times Office, Indiana, and um, haven't really looked back since. Man, um, I don't brag about this stuff, but you know, I've had the you know privilege of winning awards and writing a bunch of cool stories, going to state championships, interviewing NBA players even before today, and, you know, Hall of Famers like Michael Singletary for the you know, Chicago Bears and stuff like that. So 
It's been it's been crazy. It's been fun. And man, I have not really worked like it's it's work. It's hard. It's a grind. But I enjoy it, man. It's something different every day. Um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I don't think I would want a traditional nine to five job. Um, mm-hmm. It's just in my blood now to take advantage of. It. You never know with the newspaper industry, how long you have to do these types of things. So every day I wake up and have a chance to write about sports and talk about sports with people, people like you. Yeah. I'm pretty happy, man. Yeah, no, I, I can see why you'd be happy. It's a really cool profession to get into. And, you know, it still is work. It's it's a different type of work. And I think people don't realize, you know, it's you're going to stay up late and write late articles after West Coast road trip games and that kind of thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. stay for media availability when you're tired, you know, being on East Coast time. It's, you know, two in the morning and you're waiting for players to come out of the locker room and after playing like the <laughs> Lakers or the Clippers, you know, out in, the, out in California. So I get it, man. It's uh, it's still really cool. And, and I'm really excited to have you on here. So you said you're 25 years old. Yep. You know, it's uh, you're you're still young. You're still getting into the groove of things here. But let me ask you this. How much of this Pacers season have you actually got a chance to watch? Um, I've so when I knew that. I officially got the job, which was a few weeks ago. Um, that's when I started, like, you know, watching some games. I did watch the season opener. Um, missed a couple. I know people are probably going to be like, well, you know what? Let's just get like, no, I'm sorry. I was in the process of moving. And, and you know, <laughs> see some people before I left because I knew when I got this job, um, like, for example, because of the travel, because of the workload, I'm really not sure when I'll see, like, my family again. Mm-hmm. Um, I might not see them, honest to God, until, like, after the season is over, um, you know, I'll try wow. some days in there. We'll see. But that's just kind of like just looking at the schedule, the travel, because even if you're off, you might that might be a day you have to get on the plane, you know. So, um, you know, I, I was able to watch the last three or four games since I moved in. Uh, been, I live tweeted the last two, which everyone seemed to kind of enjoy. Uh, I'll probably have less tweets um, tomorrow night. That'd be my first game. I'm watching on TV. I won't be in Denver just yet. I won't be traveling just yet. Um, but uh, I'll probably have less tweets just because I have to actually write, you know, stories and stuff, but I'm still going to hopefully be engaging to the audience and to you all and, and things like that. But, yeah, I've been watching the team. Um, I've, I've been, you know, I feel like I've been – that last game against Sacramento was like my just initiation into Pacers basketball, <laughs> really, because it was up and down and, you know, they're going to win, they're going to lose. Um, they're playing well, they're playing terrible. Um, and I love the, the, the fans on Twitter. And I, I think that it's always funny when you see people and their emotions in real time. And it just adds an extra juice to it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I wasn't able to watch the game live. I was busy, but I, I checked my phone for a minute and I just got about 30 tweets in a row about Brad Wanamaker. And so yes. I was like, oh, it's not been a good experience tonight for Brad. So I uh, hope he doesn't check his Twitter during halftime. But with that being said, I just got to get your thoughts because, you know, we talk all the time about this team and, you know, we've been talking about pretty much the same core for the last couple of seasons. But I'm curious, you know, someone that's kind of been introduced to this team, you know, you said mm-hmm. you've been watching since you got the job. What are some of your takeaways so far this season on this team? I think one of the takeaways I have is just the health standpoint. If they're healthy, I think that Indiana, like say they had been healthy all along, this includes TJ Warren, who's still working his way back. But if they could like just get some semblance of like a consistent lineup, yeah, we have, you know, two or three more wins out of these 11 games so far, they're four and seven. So that's one thing I've noticed is like, man, like they just got the injury bug, can't seem to shake that, you know, even with, Malcolm Brogdon, like he wasn't hurt these last couple of games. Uh, he'll be back tomorrow at Denver, but you know he's a uh, you know he was out with a non-COVID related illness. And it's like what are the odds of that? You know, so that's one thing that I've noticed. Another thing I've noticed is just the return of Karis LeVert and how much he changes the team. I think that he's one of those guys. He's not like a you know a superstar, but he is a guy who can go and get you a bucket and kind of build yeah. it out sometimes. And I think that you need that to be a really good NBA team. Um, I don't I know you can't run your offense like that unless you're, you know, a Kevin Durant or something like that, who's obviously super gifted. But I do think that there are moments where you just have to be flat out, hey, this guy's better than the defender. And he has, um, I think, more of that probably in his game than anybody else as far as wing players on the roster. Um, I like Malcolm Brogdon. He's always been a very solid, consistent player. Um, but again, just got to keep him in the lineup. And then the biggest 
conversation I've seen around Twitter and even like around the offices, I feel like Miles Turner, um, you know, not even the bonus gets his, his just due. He's, you know, he's a phenomenal player. Um, you know, he's put up numbers that, you know, rival some of the best in league history. You look at, you know, stuff that he's done in recent years. But Miles Turner seems to be the guy, either people love him or they hate him. And then you watch him play, you kind of see why, because he'll have games where, you know, he might drop 40 with, with seven threes. And another game, we might have five blocks. Another game, he might have 5,000 and, and hardly play. So to me, I feel like if he can stay on the floor, this team is considerably better no matter who, you know, they, they have in the backcourt as far as injuries and stuff like that because he, he changes so much at the rim. So if he can just be out there, and even if, you know, if you watch the games, like the last game, I think he had five blocks, but he probably altered like 15. You're right, yeah. He's out there, man. He, he, he's, he, can, he can change some things, even if he's not scoring at the rate that people want him to or whatever. Um, I think Miles Turner is probably the key to them making a, a potential playoff push and, and kind of riding the ship here. Yeah, a lot to unpack there because everything you're bringing up is great <laughs> to just go back and reflect on. So real quick with the injuries, just get used to it. You're not going to ever see this team fully healthy. It's not <laughs> been that way since Oladipo had that terrible injury against the Raptors where he went out for the season. It's just been every time you think they're going to get healthy, there's an injury, and it's just a, re a revolving door. Um, and then you brought up Karis LeVert and – how he can be that guy. I think when TJ Warren's healthy, he can also be a, a similar player to that yep. where he can get you buckets uh, at any time. And, and we saw TJ do that a lot, especially in the bubble. Like he was just on fire during mm -hmm. that moment. I'm sure you got to see some of that uh, as well, just as a fan of, of NBA basketball. But uh, the, the Turner Sabonis thing has been a constant thing for at least, I want to say about three years now since Domas entered that starting lineup. And, you know, Miles really, took a lesser role uh, on the offensive end after being the, the long-term starter, the solo starter there next to Thad Young for a while. And he is playing next to Domas, and Domas really usually plays the five on offense but the four on defense and kind of a unique way to, to see two bigs in the NBA. And you think that their skill sets would really match one another, but there's they've been more problematic. And fans, you know, I've, I've got myself into these conversations too. You back yourself into one corner on who you're, you know, you're more for. Um, but, but sometimes fans, I think they have a hard time appreciating what the other one does while they might favor one over the other, if that makes sense. So it's uh, it, the inconsistency, I guess you would say with miles over the last couple of years has been frustrating to a lot of people. And then a lot of the, a lot of the things with miles is not even the points. I think the rebounding has been the biggest thing. That's been a, a talking point here is, you know, his, his lack of rebounds and averaging about six a game, but you saw it this past week, he's been on a tear. I think he had 15 mm -hmm. rebounds in that Kings game. So it, it's just a mindset. He talked about that after the Kings game. He said, it's a mentality. We talked about that on our last podcast. And I was really just impressed by him saying that. And, and I'm really liking the confidence that he's playing with, because there's a lot of times where you'll see Miles and he kind of gets in his own head, seems to kind of beat himself up. But when Miles is playing with confidence, not only does a shot fall at a better rate, but he is more impactful on not just the defensive end blocking shots, but on, you know, both sides of the basketball, whether it's cutting to the rim, whether it's getting rebounds. And, you know, I, I think that you're got, you got a great opportunity to see Miles at his best because I can't remember a stretch like this for Miles Turner since he's been a pacer. And that's the thing that, you know, I've also thought about, I know everyone wants him to make the next step and no disrespect to, to Miles at all, but, you know, he's not like a three, four-year guy. I believe he's in like year seven or eight at this point. Yeah. So I wonder if people should kind of taper their expectations a bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know mm -hmm. any guys that make another jump after being in the league for that long. And again, uh, Miles, if you're listening, Feel free to prove me wrong and tell me I'm wrong, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, I just think that consistency-wise, he could, he can, and should, and he has been rebounding better. But if he were to fluctuate or the rebounding numbers dip again, um, I wouldn't be surprised because again, he's he's kind of been this player for going on the better half of the decade. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, and that's the thing. I know. I don't know if you saw Greg Doyle's article. Uh, for the star, but he yeah. put a he put a pretty pretty you know bold article is a great way to put it on Miles Turner. A lot of fans pushed back on it and thought it was not the time for him to write it. But some of their some of the things he said in there were pretty accurate. I mean, I'm not trying to be a Miles hater, but 
you know, he has that 40 point game and then he gets, you know, two games back to back where he gets in foul trouble and doesn't see any minutes in the fourth quarter. And you're trying to figure out like, okay, what's going on here. And then I don't even think he was in too serious of foul trouble against the Bucks, but Carlisle wrote the Goga Batadze in that lineup. And so it was just a little bit different to, to kind of see how miles was utilized at first. But I think one of the most telling things was he led the team in minutes against Sacramento Rick Carlisle is really starting to use him more. And and uh, Rick Carlisle has talked about rim protection being very important. And we've seen Goga playing some with Domas. And Domas is not necessarily a rim protector. I think he's a decent on-ball defender, especially going up against guys that are more his size, like the Julius Randle type of guys. I thought that if you watch that game against the Knicks, he did a really good job of slowing down Randle from going off just because he stayed in front of him, played physical defense where Miles is more of a rim protector, maybe not as physical when it comes to the, the physical side of the basketball, just not his game. Uh, and, and so I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, Miles is a bad player at all, but I do think that we have to maybe just see how consistent he can continue this thing because for me personally, I want to see him keep rebounding the way he's rebounding, keep blocking shots. We know he does that great, but the rebounding thing has been uh, a, a huge thing fans have wanted from him. And you brought up the whole why fans are iffy on him. I think a lot of goes back to last offseason when they almost traded him for Gordon Hayward. Those talks got very serious. Miles even thought he was going to be out of here. So he wants to be here. He likes Indiana. You don't find a lot of players that actually want to be in this state. So it's a, it's an ongoing conversation. But right now, I think that Miles has – shut up a lot of the people that are doubters of him and he's playing great basketball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, he's been fun to watch, and I'm sure you're probably going to ask me about this, but there's another guy, a, a younger guy, um, you know, maybe not young to so some NBA scouts, who's been playing pretty well. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> Do you think Chris Chris um, Duarte would be Chris Duarte, like, right now, what he's doing right now? So what, what was your question again? What Did you think he'd be doing as well as he's doing right now, you know, 11 games this season? Yeah, so I had a pretty pretty freezing cold take on uh, on draft night when they selected him. Uh, I was really wanting Moses Moody. He was the guy I had keyed in on all offseason long. And so when they drafted Duarte, I said, I feel sick to my stomach. I haven't felt this way since the Pacers took TJ Leaf. Now, to be fair, it wasn't necessarily because they selected Chris Duarte. It's because they did not select Moses Moody the guy that I really wanted. I mean, there was so many mock drafts having Moody in the top 10 or top 11. So the fact that he was there at 13 was a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. I felt like Duarte at the time would be an okay player, but I thought they were keying in on, oh, this can be our Doug McDermott replacement. It's a cheaper cost to get a shooter because we probably can't get Doug and TJ McConnell back in free agency. Mm-hmm. So really it was more so that I, back in 2017, I wanted the Pacers being an IU guy, an IU fan. I wanted OG and Anobi. And he was right there on the board at 18 and we took stupid TJ leaf and now TJ Leaf's not even in the NBA and OG and Anobi's making a case for possibly most improved player of the year. So you kind of see where I might be a little bit frustrated at that. And looking at this year's, you know, uh, draft, I never thought Chris Duarte would be a bad player. I just thought, Oh, he's going to be a role player, not play a lot, but man, he has exceeded expectations. Uh, his story is incredible. I'm sure you've heard a lot about a story just reading up on him, but Man, just seeing how he came from the Dominican, playing baseball growing up and transitioning to basketball, living here with no food, finally getting over to Oregon with Dana Altman and, and just proving to be a you know all-pack 12 defensive player. I think he was defensive player of the year last year, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a guy that's come in right away, and uh, I won't lie, he's become a, a favorite of mine to watch. Love the way he plays. And, I mean, James, I don't know what you think about him, but it's, uh, it's rare that you see a rookie – come in and look as poised as he has. I'll tell you what, uh, my analysis is that he's a bucket. 
<laughs> that is that he is. <laughs> I mean, that's just as simple as I can put. I mean, he has no fear. And, you know, the first game when he went off for the 27, you know, you're thinking, OK, that's that's a great debut. I mean, everyone wants every rookie would probably envision having that debut. The 27 was more than LeBron's 25. He had in his debut. So, I mean, that's 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 big time. Most I believe it was the uh, franchise record. So, um, but then when you start to see him kind of sustain that, I think he's only had one game this year below 10 points. It's like, wow, like this guy can really score the basketball. And then I found myself complaining about some of the things that he does that I probably didn't even think would be an issue. Cause like there's been instances I'm sure you've seen where he might get a little tunnel vision, um, you know, make the pass later, not make the pass at all. And I'm like, wow, James, like, look at you, like critiquing the guy who's been getting buckets because he's not, you know, a, a better passer in this moment. So that just lets you know how the way he's played has raised the expectations around him already. I don't think people would, um, you know, give Chris much grace if he were to taper off because he's played so well. He's proven he can play at this level. And um, I like to chip on his shoulder because, you know, the whole 24-year-old rookie um, most guys who are lottery picks these days are 19, 20 years old. But I, I respect him for, you know, basically saying, like, you know, if you want somebody who needs development, take them. If you need somebody that can play right now, take me. And he's proven it. And like he said, 24 years old is not old at all, especially with the way medicine and technology have advanced. I mean, this guy could be looking at a 10, 12-year career. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure Pacers fans, with the way he started, would love for him to spend all 12 or all 10 here in, 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 in Indy. So, um, I'm excited about him, man. He he seems fun, um, and he just seems so like just confident with his shot. That, that's what it is. The outside shooting. I mean, most guys when you come into the NBA, that's like the area. Pretty much every guard is is, is kind of tallied to to get better at. But he can he can stroke it, man. Yeah, I think the confidence is a, is a big thing too. Because I'm not sure if you watch the Knicks game or not, but he waved off. Everybody was laughing in the end of the first quarter, like, I'm about to knock this shot down, so just get out of my way because he's – I think he's had like three or four already end-of-quarter buzzer beaters. It just feels like if he's got the ball in his hands at the end of the uh, end of the quarter, the, the shot's going in no matter how far out he is. But I want to ask you a little bit about Chris Duarte's defense because personally for me, I think for a rookie, he's done a good job. I know there's been some times where he could have done better, and there's times where I've seen Miles say, hey, you need to be here on this and do this, and very coachable. He's always asking – teammates what he can be better at I think that is a testament to the player that he is because he wants to get better but defensively like you saw him in Brooklyn like I think it was the second week or the third or fourth game whatever it was when we played them and he was out there guarding James Harden and he was guarding Jimmy Butler at home he's been he's going up against some of the best players in the league and really hasn't shown any fear so what have you thought about his defense I think that it's um, one. He he seems to have the lateral quickness to to be able to move because sometimes I mean you can try all you want to. I mean, Alex, I love basketball, um, <laughs> I love playing defense, but I'm not going to be able to check James Harden ever, uh, or, or or you know certain guys, Jimmy Butler ever as far as lateral quickness is. Granted, I'm also only five ten, 150 pounds, 140 pounds, so you know not going to be you know guarding or anybody like that. But getting back to the point, I think that he has the physical gifts to do it. And one of the things people may not realize about defense, especially in the NBA, is there are so many different principles. Um, for example, for like for average NBA fans out there, just watch how any team in the NBA matches up when there's a missed shot. Like it's not like pickup basketball where you're like we're trying to run and find your man. They pick up the closest guy to them, and usually, you know, if there's a big on a small, they'll they'll rotate it pretty quickly within like the possession. So there's a lot to pick up on as far as just the defensive principles and then also different defensive looks. So I think that, like you said, when you're talking about Miles pointing things out to him, he's still going through that learning curve and perhaps being at, you know, being an older player, having played a lot of basketball already, um, it'll probably help him even more when it comes to just learning different things. He's probably seen a bunch of different things as well. So I think that, um, you know, this it's good to see signs of a two-way player because, you never want to, you know, a guy on your team where you're like, you know, you might go get me a bucket, but I know you're going to give up a bucket. So he's um he seemed to be, you know, engaged on the defensive end. Will he ever be like a super great defender? I don't know, but I don't think that he's been a liability at all. And again, I mean, these are all strong signs that you want from your first round draft pick. And um, he's answered uh, pretty much every bell, you know, rang every bell so far. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there. It's uh 
one of those things with with Chris Duarte. I, I think that he's just blown our expectations out of the water. He's really over exceeded them, and that's a good thing. I, I think fans are just excited to see him grow. And I think as Lavert comes back, you know, and Brogdon gets back in the lineup, and Warren eventually gets there, you'll see his role diminish a little bit and his shot attempts dwindle down a little bit. But I'm still okay with it. I think after the first like eight games of the season or something like that. He was leading the team in field goal attempts. Yeah. So like you said, <laughs> not bashful. <laughs> yeah, not afraid to put the shot up. So uh, I do want to get back to Brogdon. You brought him up earlier. You said you think he's a good point guard for this team, and he was just extended before the season started. And it's been kind of a tricky situation here with the Pacer fans and their love for Brogdon. I get a lot of tweets talking about, oh, he's always injured. Uh, he's a locker room problem. There was a lot that J. Michael reported about Malcolm being one of the head people to get Nate McMillan fired. And then people thought that he was causing the same issues with Nate Bjorkren, who ended up getting fired the very next season. So I think fans, I don't know if they really, you know, know what they're talking about, but they seem to have speculated that Malcolm can be quite a bit of a locker room problem. And I think that not all fans feel that way, but uh, a decent amount of them do. So uh, I, I think that the team really likes him though. He's really stepped up, I think as the leader of this team, now that Victor Oladipo is out of the picture, he doesn't have to worry about trying to let Victor be the leader while he's trying to be the leader type of thing. So mm-hmm. Kevin Pritchard did say that he challenged everybody in the locker room to, to step up and be leaders this year. And, you know, I think Brogdon is the one that really has answered that. But what are, what are your thoughts overall on just Malcolm Brogdon as a player? And um, I don't know if you've noticed anything, but have you seen him be a leader out there on the floor in just some of the games you've watched? Yeah, so I, I for just to touch on the locker room stuff, obviously I haven't been in the locker room yet, can't speak to any of that that type of stuff. But um, and also really quick, um, I'm never gonna be a guy who um I guess kills a guy because he's hurt, even if he's injury prone. I will, you know, I might say, hey, this guy's injury prone or he can't stay healthy, but it won't be like me bash somebody because no one chooses to be injured. Like you can, I mean, these guys train. I'm sure Malcolm trains extremely hard to play every game, like every like everyone does. No one wants to be hurt, but um, that's just the nature of the business that you know they're in. So the injuries are going to happen. Some guys are injury prone. That just happens. But as far as Malcolm as the player, um, again, I think he's just a model of consistency. Um, and I was watching the the Portland game the other night when they kind of uh, you know imploded down the stretch. I just kept thinking to myself, you know, if Malcolm's out here. Maybe some of these, you know, possessions where they, you know, jacking early three or they're not able to get a good shot, you know, late, you know, late in the shot clock. He's able to maybe run some more, you know, offense because he can, you know, take you off the dribble. He can, you know, run you through a set. He can make the pass. You know, he can do all these things. I don't think that Malcolm is necessarily like great at, you know, there's not one part of his game that makes me think like, wow, this is you know, he's a, he's a star, a superstar, but he just does a lot of things really, really well. And I think that he's kind of like the calming effect on a group that can kind of get erratic at times. Um, like you said the other day, people were, you know, the Wanamaker tweets were all up and down my timeline. I think that Brogdon's in there. A couple of those turnovers probably don't happen. No disrespect to Wanamaker at all. I mean, it's hard to be an NBA point guard. But uh, I think that Malcolm is a guy that, if healthy, can help this team again, uh, you know, trend in the right direction and potentially be a playoff team. It's just tough that they've had so many injuries to deal with and you don't get those games back and no one's going to feel sorry for you because everyone deals with that. But again, if they can, you know, you said it's like a curse, but if they can even just get him back in the lineup consistently, you know, where you know you have a five out there that you're going to have every night as far as your starters, then that, you know, can probably do some wonders for your team and just the outlook of what you're trying to do and as far as install. Because you got to remember, they still have a new coach as well. I mean, granted, you know, Rick Harlow has been here, but it's, you know, it's been a long time since he was last year and the NBA has changed a lot. So they're still, you know, trying to install and get used to him and, and his style. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I think Malcolm being the point guard is a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, three coaches in three years, I mean, that's a lot of change for all those guys that are on this roster and have been a part of that core, you know. So it's uh, just a revolving door of coaches makes the offense a little bit more challenging to to figure out early on in the season. But, you know, I think Brogdon has had some really good moments this year. I think he's when he's played, actually, I think he's probably been the best player on the floor Mm -hmm. just because of his ability to create rebound he's actually emphasized rebounding this well uh this year as well which is he's doing a good job at it and scoring i mean he's just a 
He's a guy that can score at the rim, but he's also a guy that can knock down threes at a consistent rate. And we know TJ McConnell has been working on that. He's shooting 40% this season, but early on he looked really rough from the three-point line. So, you know, you're not going to rely on that. And then Sabonis has been absolutely dreadful from three since the opening night pretty much against the, the Hornets where he was on fire that game. So, you know, really this Pacers team overall, like you said, went healthy. You feel like they can do something, but – you know, what is the the level that they can reach when fully healthy? I'm just curious your thoughts. Looking at this team, if they are able to get all five starters back, maybe bring Duarte off the bench, don't make any trades, what do you think the ultimate ceiling of this team is? All right, so a lot of people are probably going to be very upset with this. I think that, you know, they're a, a good season for them with the structure of the team right now would be to make the playoffs and contend to win a round. Um, but I don't see them winning a round in the playoffs. I think that they, they, they would be in the, that bottom half of playoff teams. Um, and then even now this year, they got the playing tournament and all that jazz, which I'm, you know, I still have to brush up on and remember how all these things work. But I think that the the ceiling for this team is is simply making the playoffs. I think I believe if they did that, I know people don't. I mean, Indiana's kind of been known for making the playoffs and that kind of just being it. But um, without a superstar, I think that that's pretty much the trajectory of the team, just being honest. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's a fair that's a fair assessment of the team. You know, we as fans sometimes can get a little bit hyperbolic in our terms of expectations and what we think the team can actually be. I mean, I, I know they're they're a good, solid team, but when the president of basketball operations for three straight seasons – comes out and says, well, I think we can be a tough out. Uh, it, it doesn't really ring like, hey, we're trying to really compete here and win some playoff series. You know, if you're calling yourself a tough out, it's really hard to sell the fan base on that, especially if you're the guy making the decision. So I appreciate Pritchard's honesty as well by basically saying uh, we're not good enough, but we're good enough to make the playoffs. That makes sense. But it's one of those things, too, where it's like, don't you feel like they should make some moves to, to get more modernized? You know, you don't usually see two bigs in today's NBA while both are very impactful in their own ways. It's just not like the perfect formula to winning in today's NBA. And without having a superstar, you have to win by a collective number of guys that can all get you baskets at any time. And that's kind of why they built this team with depth. But part of the reason I think this fan base has grown a little bit stale with this current core and why the numbers are so down at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I don't think you've got a chance to see how low the numbers are yet, but it's been pretty bad. Yeah, I have, man. Yeah. Last time I checked, they were they were last or uh, we were dead last the last I checked at like twelve thousand on average and the, yeah. the building holds eighteen thousand. So I, I just feel like I, I don't know what kind of trades are even out there, if there's any that makes sense for this team, but I feel like fans have grown tired of this and, you know, I'm not trying to freak out right now. It's early in the season. I'm just enjoying each game as it comes along, but I really don't know what it will take for this fan base to turn around and start showing up at games. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, so it's funny you mentioned this and I've kind of gone through these parallels in my mind. Cause you know, I grew up in Illinois and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So obviously I was a Chicago Bulls fan. Still am. Um, those of you out there, if you see me liking a bunch of Bulls tweets, I promise it will not influence my job and how I go about doing things, even if they play the Bulls. Like, I, don't, I, I, I mean this in all sincerity. I don't really care who wins any game that I've ever covered. I just move for the, the deadline to, like, you know, stay intact where I can get my stuff in, not be too stressed out, um, and, and get in on time. But um, the Bulls had went through a similar lull where they were just mediocre, and then they made a couple of splashes with free agents. Um, but I think that Indiana won. You want to, you have to be willing to to show the money at some point. I know that's not traditionally how they do things. Um, and, a, and a lot of guys that they've had have kind of, you know, i.e. Paul George have, have left or gone or forced their way out in some way, some you know, form or fashion. But uh, I think that it's hard to attract free agents when you don't show a lot of interest in showing money. And then two, sometimes it just takes like that one, like just striking goal in a pick. For example, no one thought Giannis would be Giannis. I mean, he was a 15th overall pick, I believe. People thought he would be good. But Milwaukee couldn't have known, nobody could have known that he'd be one of the 75 greatest players ever already at 26. Right. 
I mean, there it's it's kind of like a luck factor. There's obviously moves you can make, and then just being quite honest, you don't have the luxury. I've noticed this a lot more that I've gotten older, and even just traveling, it's harder to build a team when you're Indiana as opposed to Miami when it comes to like free agency or all these big market teams. Like just as far as like living, I mean, just be honest. Like if you're a young person, um, do you want to live in LA or do you want to live in Miami or do you want to live in Indiana? You see. What I'm <laughs> It, yeah, it, and like LeBron, I, I bring this up even with LeBron, like he was the, again, the ultimate, like, just pure luck that he was born in Akron, Ohio, because otherwise he leaves Cleveland. Does he ever go back if he's not from there? You see what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it takes a lot of different things, but I do think that it's fair that Indiana Pacers fans want the franchise to be more aggressive, to, to, to take more chances and to try to at least do something to make themselves better. For example, I mean, just like the Bulls, I mean, I've had conversations with my family. No one ever thought the Bulls would ever spend any money, would ever get any free agents. And have they got big-time superstars? No, but they've got a pretty good players. And, and this year, they're rolling and they're having fun. And, you know, they're having, a, you know, packed uh, arenas at, you know, at the United Center. So I, I don't see why that or even that type of jump isn't possible for the Pacers. Yeah, and I think if you go back and look at it just, you know, back in uh, 2019, 2020, they went out and got Malcolm Brogdon. They went out and got T.J. Warren. Yep. And fans were excited because they made some decent moves to get some players. I mean, T.J. Warren, it cost them nothing. In fact, they got a second-round pick and T.J. Warren for cash. And then they all they had to do to get Brogdon was basically send the first-round pick and a late second. So not a big deal there. And then they got Jeremy Lamb in that draft and – or that, that – that free agency. So they made some moves and fans were excited and they thought, okay, we can hold the fort down until Vic comes back. And when Vic comes back and you saw the season he had a couple of years ago, when he took LeBron and the Cavs to seven games, you're thinking to yourself, we have ourselves something special here. And then injury after injury just occurred. And then the pandemic happened and then Domas got hurt during the playoffs in the bubble. And then TJ Warren got hurt after the bubble was over. So it's just been like an ongoing thing of injuries. Then Victor wanted out of Indiana for one of those, you know, beach cities, Miami, and look yep. where he's at now. So, uh, and and Victor even played college basketball here at Indiana, and yeah. the fan base loved him. I mean, the fan base was ready to give him the keys to the city, and I think this fan base is just really wanting to find that next person, and we haven't found them yet. You know, you're hoping maybe it's Karis LeVert, you're maybe hoping it's Domas or Malcolm or somebody like that, but they just haven't had those big, big moments time and time again like Victor had in that 17-18 season to really say, hey, we've got a guy. So I'm not sure where they're going to find that at because they don't usually draft early. They usually draft in the middle of the pack uh, or later in the draft. So I'm just I'm just hopeful that we can figure out what makes this team click the best, and I'm hoping Carlisle can figure out the best lineups and matchups to maybe get us a, a first-round playoff series win but you're going to have to probably be a four or five seed to get that because I don't think being a play-in team and going up against one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference is going to give you a chance to really win a uh, win a series. Yeah, I mean, looking at the playing tournament last year, I mean, it's hard, man. You're, and it's it, it's rightfully built that way. But I mean, it's you, you got to win too many games, too many winner go home games to kind of yeah get into the playoff. And then it's like, oh wait, now I have to do this seven game series against a team that's been resting. And um, like I said before, when you, when I've watched NBA games, you need guys who can just go get you buckets or go get you, go make you a play. And that's kind of what the playoffs usually entail. So, you know, obviously people want TJ Warren to be back and hopefully he can come back and, and, and be helpful for the team, and even for just his own career. I mean, who wants to be out for that long, but it, it, you need guys because he's like a natural born scorer. You need guys like that that can kind of bail you out and, and help you out when it comes to just playing at the NBA level. Because if you think about it, you can scheme up, you can do a lot of different things. Sometimes it, there's a certain players you're like, okay, that guy was just better than me on that play. And, you know, TJ's a guy who has the potential to do something like that on any given night. I mean, the guy can, he scores in his sleep. He's a 15 point per game scorer for his career. People might think that's not a lot, but we're talking about the NBA here. How many guys do that? You know, he's doing it for about, you know, seven or eight years. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the season. I'm excited to hopefully get on the road soon. I think that you really learn a lot about people when you're around them more. Mm-hmm. So 
It'd be cool to just kind of be a fly on the wall in certain situations. Um, I won't have my recorder on all the time. I think that sometimes players and coaches loosen up a little bit more. You can just be human with them. Um, and through that, hopefully I can, you know, relay those messages, relay what's going on in the locker room, whatever, to you guys in ways that kind of brings it to life for you. That's the plan. That's the goal, man. Um, hopefully it brings you some features and stuff. So features is like my thing. I, I don't mind bringing everybody injury updates and, and, and things like that. But I think that uh, the, when I can kind of peel the curtain back on situations, on players, on their upbringing, on what drives them, or, or even, you know, pitfalls, failure, whatever, I can peel the curtain back and kind of give you all an inside glimpse at that. That's my goal. Um, I'm going to strive to do that every day here at, on this beat. But, yeah, man, it's basketball. I, I can't be upset. Like, I mean, lose, whatever. You know, I haven't lost a game yet as far as covering it. So, <laughs> hey, undefeated, <laughs> never lost. There you go, man. Never lost. So, um, it should be fun. Man. I'm excited for it. And again, I think being in this state and having covered high school basketball in this state and knowing how basketball crazy everyone is here and, and, and how I'm hopefully going to earn my, you know, honorary Hoosiers, you know, uh, badge here soon. But, <laughs> Uh, I think that the people of this state kind of mesh with my mind when it comes to basketball, the love of the game, the craziness, uh, you know, wanting teams to be better or wanting players to be better. And I mean, that's 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 why I got into this, man. I loved basketball since I was a kid. I knew I wasn't good enough to keep playing and kind of just probably similar to you, attacked it from a different angle. And, you know, now here we are doing a podcast talking about basketball, which is something, I mean, 10-year-old James could have never envisioned, so... Yeah, I grew up playing basketball as a kid, and, uh, you know, I always loved it. And truth is, I, my, I grew up a Pacer fan. My dad was a Pacer fan, and I remember uh, – I've told this story several times in here, but I'll share it with you. Uh, he would record games on uh, VCR back in the back in the 90s so we could come back and watch the games if we were ever out and not able to watch it live. And we had those VC, uh, VHSs for a while, and uh, – I had a VCR player and I used to go back and watch them. And I, number one, the old commercials are just hilarious. But number two, just being able to see uh, the games as a young kid on, on VHS and just kind of remember the history of the team made me love it even more. And then the older I got, the more I was able to pay attention to it. And then really once the brawl hit and during that time period, you really became, uh, that's when I really became a big fan because it was around my teenage years, uh, early teenage years. So you know, they, uh, when you grow up in Indiana, you just love basketball. But, James, it's been a pleasure talking with you, getting to know you a little bit and kind of get a uh, chance to see what you are uh, all about and what we're going to be able to look forward to from the Indy Star. But uh, where can people find you at on social media? And do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, you can find me on all social media, at Romeoville Kid, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, Um my Facebook's wide open, but please don't try to add me if I don't know you. <laughs> I keep it open just in case anybody sees an article, wants to share it. Um, I got, you know, people who would always, you know, hey, can you make this post public because I want to share this story or share this post. So all of my stuff, I kind of live my life like that. I'm pretty open and transparent. So if you guys, uh, you know, want to tweet at me your thoughts, uh, story ideas, if you think something's not being written about, not being covered, I can't guarantee anything. But I, I'm trying to be, and I've always uh, tried to be, um, pretty uh, accessible. I'm never going to get the big head. I'm not like this. I think now, seriously, Alex, I don't know how people deal with it. I'll probably have to ask you for some advice, but having a, a considerable amount of followers who are like active, um, you know, you fire off a tweet, you might get 50 likes and your phone's just buzzing. So I have to probably figure out some different settings and stuff, but I try to respond to everyone. Um, so yeah, you know, feel free to chat, hit me up. If you ever see me in person at a game or anywhere, Feel free to, you know, say what's up. I'm going to try to bring you the best content as possible and just have fun with it. I mean, this is all a learning process for me. Even as we're talking right now, I still have to, like, you know, do a bunch of, you know, training and, and, and you know, uh, get emails set up and get on certain lists and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff I have to do as far as just to get in officially as far as, you know, stuff in the right place. But um, as I grow, uh, I promise I, I won't cheat the grind, you know, at all. So the effort won't change. Maybe, uh, you know, there'd be certain days where you're like, man, this, this story could have been better or whatever. I promise you, I will keep working at it until, um, you know, I can't say everyone is satisfied. No one's ever satisfied, but until the majority of you are satisfied and looking forward to the next, you know, article I put out. Yeah, we're, we're here to support you, man. We're going to be here for the long haul. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy 
my dog's been a little crazy right now. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> but we will uh, we will definitely enjoy seeing you grow in this role as the beat writer for the Indy Star covering the Indiana Pacers. So, James, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Anytime, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace. Once again, I want to thank James Boyd for coming on and giving us all that great information. You can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. My co host, Mike Focci, is at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us also on Facebook and on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And until next time, everybody, we will talk to you all later. And if you're excited for the next Indiana Pacers basketball game, Say these three words. Let's go, Pacers. Here's another three. Put it on him, young man. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com